It's the calm before the storm and many company CEOs and their finance teams are looking at their balance sheets and asking what can be done to make sure they can weather that storm. Today we have three alternate fund managers to uh, give us their insights. My name's Nick Samios, I'm the fund manager and director here at Hermes Capital and you have tuned into Lunch Money. Uh, we are the online and social media home for workouts, special situations and capital raising professionals. Um, insolvency moratoriums have been extended, uh, JobKeeper and JobSeeker are about to start tapering off. Um, for many businesses, uh, bank loan repayments and deferrals are coming to an end. Uh, and like I said before, it is a good time for uh, for uh, company owners to look at their balance sheets and go, well, we know there is this, this thing is going to come to an end, whether it's January or March next year, and we need to make sure that uh, we're all in good shape, we've uh, maintained our capabilities and, uh, and our teams, and so that we can make the most uh, when when things, you know, when, when we do hit that cliff and whether or not that means opportunities or um, or just, as I say, bolstering the balance sheets, um, now's a good time to think about that. And so uh, we have um, some special guests. Um, I'm going to start off by introducing uh, Lena Kolomoitseva. G'day, Lena. How are you going? Hi, Nick. Thanks for having me. Uh, Lena is Investment Manager at LCM, Litigation Capital Management. Um, she's been there for ooh, about six, six years almost, and uh, you've got a background in, in law. You're from Adelaide? I certainly am, yes, but in Brisbane yeah. for the last couple of years. Yeah, so you're in Brisbane. So, um, yeah, we, we were saying a little bit earlier that I'm pretty sure the, the, uh, the restrictions are going to come off there sooner than you think. But do tell me, um, what is it that's been keeping you busy these past, key, uh, past couple of weeks as a, as a litigation funder? Sure. Um, well, as a litigation funder, um, what um, keeps us busy apart from um, really managing our existing investments is um, an ever-increasing um, uh, number of applications for new litigation finance. Um, when you look at our sort of global footprint, um, we're still seeing a consistent flow of um, applications in arbitrations, um, in commercial claims, um, in representative proceedings and still in insolvency. Um, but the one thing that um, has been really interesting and has been really encouraging um, is the uptick that we're seeing in inquiries from our corporate clients. Um, the reason I say that's interesting and that's encouraging is that um, really litigation finance um, uh, had its beginnings in insolvency and later in class actions with you know, both of those spheres being um, ones in which um, clients would only use litigation funding out of necessity, so it's because they couldn't pay their legal fees without that, that assistance. Um, but really, litigation finance has just developed so dramatically um, since those origins, and it's um, developed into a product that can really be used um, in circumstances well beyond that. Uh, and LCM in particular has been really keen at sort of driving the awareness and driving the education and the fact that, you know, litigation finance is not just for um, impecunious plaintiffs, it's not just a one-trick pony, but it's really um, a finance tools that um, corporates should be using to their toolkit and, and using effectively. And I think really this year has seen, as you say, um, uh, management's been taking a careful look at their balance sheets. And I think that's really seen um, a resulting acceleration in awareness of litigation funding and an increased um, acceptance of, of it as a, as a toolkit, as a finance toolkit product. Um, so right. for us, that's really seen sort of an uptick in inquiries and that's seen an uptick in um, actual deals that we've, um, that we've done with corporate clients um, as well. Okay, well, the first thing I do when we finish here today is I'm going to Google Epicuneus. Don't tell me what it is now. It's a <laughs> surprise. 
But um, we, we have uh, a lot of lawyers and insolvency people that watch us, but we also have um, finance brokers and, and other business advisors who may not be 100% au fait with litigation funding. So just to sort of peel it back, um, just, just to sort of the, the barbecue definition of, uh, of what it is exactly that you do. I hate to see a barbecue at which we're talking about litigation funding, but nevertheless, um, I guess a good starting point is really to highlight that the way that litigation funders view a piece of litigation is as an asset. Um, so that's sort of the starting point. And litigation funders and, and LCM is uniquely positioned to ascribe a value to that asset. So, uh, you know, contingent claims are, are tricky things to value, but um, this is really the core the core of our business. And, and when that's the starting point, um, you can sort of see how... Um, once you recognise that as an asset, you can see how it can be used as a form of finance. So what we do is um, really leveraging against the collateral that is a claim that a company might have. Um, we can pay the legal costs that are associated with advancing that claim. Uh, we can provide an indemnity for any adverse costs exposure, so the costs that you might have to pay if you lose. Um, and we can also monetize against that claim. So we can actually pay cash up front or regular payments um, against that claim, uh, you know, for, for certain periods. Um, the only way that we get paid as well is if the claim um, is successful. So it's what's called a non-recourse um, product. The only recourse that we have is from the recovery that we can make in that piece of litigation. We don't secure against any other assets of our clients. Um, if the claim doesn't succeed, we simply don't recover. If the claim okay. does succeed, um, we recover the um, amounts that we've invested plus um, a commission. Okay, so I mean, uh, so really, what's interesting is, uh, uh, you know, obviously, a lot of the lawyers watching would automatically think of litigation funding, but a lot of, uh, you know, we would, we might have commercial finance brokers who are sitting down with their clients who are scratching their heads, looking at the balance sheet and wondering where they can find money. And maybe it is some sort of piece of litigation that's um, that's uh, blown a bit of a hole in the ship. And um, that's, that's something they should think about. Listen, Lena, we're going to just put you in the waiting room while we introduce our next guest, uh, Stephen Mitchell. G'day, Stephen. How are you going? Fantastic. Stephen's the CEO of Resicom and Oak Capital. Um, and uh, tell us uh, what it is that keeps you busy these last couple of weeks, Stephen. Yeah, well, uh, not getting my hair cut, Nick, is one thing that's not getting me busy because uh, lockdown in Melbourne 2.0 is uh, dragging on and on and on. So, look, with Resicom and Oak Capital, we, we ultimately finance uh, generally small business clients. Um, we have an element of distress that's normally in those clients as well. So, it's been a, a unique market for the last few months. We've definitely found it's actually a lot quieter than we would have thought. Um, very different to a GFC event that actually kept us very, very busy during that time. Um, we feel that that's not going to be uh, hitting us till probably next year. Um, so we've still been seeing applications come through, but, but not to the point that uh, many people would think is occurring. I think that's given the moratoriums and all the debts out there um, a lot of people are holding on uh, to to the transactions rather than moving at the, at this point. They're not forced to move, um, which we will see coming in the, in the few months ahead. Um, so, look, it's a unique time for us. Uh, so far, properties are holding up and we are still able to lend, but we're just being a bit more cautious on what we're looking at with the view that 2021 is going to be a bit of a tougher year uh, for property. And we are a real estate-based entity. We lend only on real estate. We don't lend on any other assets. Um, and as a funds manager, we have a responsibility to our investors. So we're quite prudent on how we look at our deals and, and ensuring every single one we do um, that is well-backed by the right asset as well. 
I, I guess um, uh, you're a little bit the opposite of Lena. Uh, a lot of finance brokers watching would uh, would know about you, but there'd be other accountants and lawyers that don't necessarily know exactly what it is you do. Um, so just just in a nutshell, you, you guys obviously do commercial. Uh, you lend against Resi. Uh, yeah. Just just sort of flesh that out a bit. Sure. So two sides to the business. So we have the Resicom side, which essentially is a mortgage manager. So we rebrand other lenders' product. Um, and in that space, we're heavily a low documentation type lender. Um, we look at clients that have anywhere from zero distress right through to an insolvency event. Um, and they need money generally within a couple of weeks. And we can consider that application and move the money out to them. Um, we deal with brokers there and accountants, planners, insolvency uh, clients as well. Then on the other side, we're a funds manager. We have two uh, two funds in there. So we have a retail fund and a wholesale fund. So on that side, we obviously act for investors that want to obtain a, a reasonable yield on their money. Um, and they're all secured against mortgage mortgages that we lend out. Um, so if accountants have clients that have a tax problem that they need to pay out in two or three days, that's really the market where we like to play is move super quick and advance against their property. So providing they've got some equity, then we're going to be able to consider that loan, providing it's a business loan as well. Um, also, there could be a developer that's done a development, now holding the ball and he's got 10 assets left, he hasn't been able to sell it down. We would do a residual stock type transaction and structure a loan so that client can come in, obtain their money and sell those assets down over a 12-month period or so. Will you fund the development itself? We don't do development ground up. Okay. So we've done the odd one where there's sufficient equity in the land that it's a fairly basic type of transaction we can fund against the land value for a build. And we also do do second mortgage plays where they're at fixing stage or lockup and they need three, four hundred grand to finish. At that point, we might get in, but we're very much an in and out type lender um, bridging a space. So we're not there to do a ground up 20 unit construction. And to be honest, that, that market quite flooded. Um, and guys do that very, very well. And that's just not our space. I'm just curious. Um a lot of the deals that you do would be deals historically that banks won't necessarily do. But I, do, but I know that speaking to brokers, um, applications are just taking a lot longer to turn around. In the old days, you know, you could, if you're borrowing money for a car, you know, you could basically turn it around the same day. And these days, you know, that, that, that loan might be taking, you know, a week. And uh, I'm sure mortgages are the same. Are you finding that you're getting opportunities just on the basis of being able to complete them quickly? Um, like it might be a bank credit, but just needs to be done quickly or? Yeah, so look, normally they're at least one step out of a bank because yeah. in Australia, obviously, we have, we've got the banks, let's call them first tier, second tiers, which are like a Latrobe Financial, Pepper, um, Liberty, yeah. those style of lenders. So as the banks have tightened up on their lending criteria, the second tiers have continued to grow their balance sheets and they've been able to buy a lot more of that bank credit. But we, we pretty much sit just behind them. Um, and at times they can't, they cannot move in three or four days. So we do pick up the odd deal where it's a purchase. The client has totally clear credit. There's no other reason why they come to us, um, but they have been let down by the bank um, or the bank's found some other slight uh, issue with the tax return or, or some other matter for them on their credit and has said no at the last minute and the broker's left holding the ball. They've got to settle this deal. Um, so we can come in, quickly assess that asset generally same day fund them in, they take a deal for three or four months and then they fix the problem, refinance away. Perfect client for us, they come and go um, and we feel that we feel the solution that they need. Um, but we also just get a lot of clients that, you know, it's generally an income point of view. They can't justify it or put it just at this point to a sufficient amount 
to satisfy the banks. And yeah. after the Royal Commission, obviously the, the regulation side of the way the banks underwrite loans has increased dramatically, um, which has provided opportunities for the second tiers and, and, and our sort of market to have a much more common sense approach to assessing a business's ability to pay a loan um, and allows us to, to have our market that we sit in and move yeah. quickly to provide finance for them. Okay. All right. Uh, that's interesting. Uh, what we might do now is bring Lena back. We are in different parts of the market, I suppose, where uh, Stephen and myself are sort of more at the the, the you know small and medium um, size. And, and Lena, you're you're talking to a lot of corporates. I just wonder. I know that I know that in our in you know in our industry, I mean, in working capital, uh, in working capital finance, uh, a lot. What because there's been so much uncertainty, and also because of of JobKeeper and moratoriums. Uh, you know, people have been reluctant to to enter into new finance arrangements. They don't know what's around the corner. Uh, their cash flow is is okay at the moment because the government's uh, supporting them. I think, Stephen, you were saying you experienced a little bit much the same. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we, we've seen um, that slowdown in application basis, and I, I believe a lot of that is, you know, the media is calling them the zombie companies, and I think there's a, a fair bit of that going on where clients just do not need to obtain the capital right now because they can hold up on the bank, they can hold up on the landlord, they don't, they're not getting the calls from the ATO. And, and a, a chunk of those are the reasons that we um, provide finance in many cases. You know, the ATO yeah. needs to be paid out, we come yeah. in, um, provide that assistance. So those things just aren't happening. I, I do feel, though, inquiries slowly picking up now and coming towards the end of September, uh, the banks aren't just going to totally roll over all their deferred mortgages. They're definitely going to be looking at their books and going, you know what, there's 25, 30% of the people here that could probably be paying and start putting pressure on people to start making their payments again and getting their accounts in order. Um, and we'll see also landlords that just can't continually hold on um, and are going to need to start doing something. But those, those incentives flowing from the government are definitely creating a, a false yeah. market, I think, at the moment. Yeah, look, I find that in the workout bankers, I think there's a, there's a song by Pink. Uh, you know, go away, come back, go away, come back. I mean, um, you know, we, we, we've tried to get deals out of the banks and the bank's saying, yeah, we want this client gone. But then, mm. no, they don't want them gone. They actually want to hang on to them and cuddle them a little bit more. And then, so, uh, you know, so that they, they, I think that the banks, you know, they're, they're in a bit of a, a twilight zone. I wonder, Lena, in your space, I wonder if the opposite might be true. With uncertainty, are people more likely to pick up the phone to you? Like, whereas with myself uh, and Stephen, you know, because uncertainty sort of, plays against us, they're not sure they want to make the commitments. But in your space, maybe it's a, a uncertainty that's, that's driving, the, driving the call? Um, I mean, I think uncertainty will certainly um, uh, ultimately lead to an increase in the number of, of disputes, which will ultimately lead in, in an, up, uh, an uptick in the claims that, that will come to us. But I think one of the key drivers that we're seeing uh, in the uptick that, in the calls that we're receiving now is really, um, as you say, sort of that review of the balance sheet and really having a look at where the cash is going. Um, and I think we're in a slightly um, sort of unique space because litigation is long term. It's a long running, you know, often litigation will go for two or three years. So it's sort of not just a cash drain today. It's going to be a cash drain for some time to come. Um, so when you're sort of making those assessments, it's it's sort of more of it's got more of a tail on it. Um, and I think because of that, um, I think I mean, I think the um, corporates that we've been dealing with have had sort of thought bubbles for a long time around considering disputes finance. Whereas because of the current um, uh, the current climate, those thought bubbles are really sort of floating up and they're, they're um, moving into sort of more concrete discussions and ultimately more concrete deals. Um, and really, I think the driver there, I mean, there's a few, 
if you had another hour, I could talk about all the reasons why um, uh, disputes finance ought to be used um, uh, out of choice, but um, just to focus on some some key ones. Um, really, cash is sort of a, a major factor. Um, instead of having that monthly um, drain um, on cash, which will be for legal fees, particularly if you um, if we've got a client that has got a number of claims, I mean that cash drain can be really quite significant. Um, and as much as people love their lawyers and as much as they love paying them, um, really I think a lot of discussions are being had about, well, is that dollar better used in our core business? Mm. Um, what's the opportunity cost of us using that dollar for legal fees instead of using it um, in our profit-making functions? Is it, um, is, it, is, it, is it also a bit of an acid test? I mean, you know, if you've got a case, you're not sure, you, you know, you're not sure if it's valid and you go, well, you know what? Let's if we can get a litigation funder to to take it on, then yes, you know if it's not if they're not prepared to take it on, you know should they be walking away from it? Um, absolutely, and I think um, I mean a litigation funder will never replace um, a trusted advisor and a legal team that will ultimately prosecute the case and the advice that they offer. We do not offer legal advice, but we do come to every case with a um, with a unique viewpoint, particularly because we. Uh, acutely, we're really keenly focused on the recovery and really what the value of that claim is and what is it that we're going to be able to recover from that claim. Mm. Um, and, you know, quite often there might be really good claims that, um, you know, when you actually work through the um, the likely value of that claim and really what the defendant is going to be able to pay, um, the, ultimate, the ultimate bottom line um, number on that is quite different. So I think we sort of bring, bring quite a unique um, viewpoint to it. Um, and you are quite right, um, I think having a litigation funder on side um, does sort of um, provide a bit of a tick of approval for the claim and it also is, it does strengthen your position in negotiations with, with um, the opposing party because you do have that um, uh, you know, expert litigator, litigation funder that has come in, looked at the case, approved it and invested in it. Yeah, and you know, you're sitting across the table from them and you're thinking, you know, these people get a payday if they beat me. Um, <laughs> And um, so I suppose uh, there, there, there's all of that as well. Um, okay. I wonder, uh, we were talking a little bit earlier, uh, Stephen, about the the, the, the old uh, risk curve. You know, mm. um, obviously as risk goes up, pricing goes up. Um, you know, if you, if you overprice the risk, then you're probably going to miss out on the deal. Uh, if you underprice the risk, uh, you know, in the fullness of time, you, 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 you know, you're going to end up losing money really. Um, I mean, we, we were talking before. You know, there's obviously a lot of new players in the market. I mean, where where are you seeing the the dynamics of price and risk? Yeah, so look, I think you know the the best way to sum it up, it's a race to the bottom at the moment, um, and we're sort of just holding on tight and, and sticking to our knitting and trying to keep our pricing roughly where it's been most of the time. You know, there's there's, there's deals that for sure necessitate some reduction in pricing, um, and investors can accept that as well, um, but Otherwise, you know, we're still looking at this as a, a very turbulent time and, you know, it's a one in a hundred year event, no one's been through and the pricing is going the opposite way to what it did in the GFC. In the GFC, pricing went through the roof to fund a loan quickly. Um, private lenders were able to charge ultimately what they wanted to, rightly or wrongly, but that was the way it worked. Um, and today's market, it's the complete opposite. You know, we're getting private lenders competing against us that are returning their investors four or five percent when they... A few months ago, we were returning sevens and eights. Everybody thinks they can do lending, don't they? They, you yeah. know, they, 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 there is a lot of cash out there, and uh, you know, you do find yourself competing against, uh, you know, some solicitor or some uh, wealthy individual 
who uh, who thinks they can have a crack. Yeah, I mean, I think the risk though for them is you're not looking forward necessarily to 2021. You're they're buying deals to move money, literally mm. just to get money into the market because there's nowhere else to obtain a yield. Um, yeah. unless you're in the share market, but again, that, that's that's top heavy as well. Um, yeah. and people are just moving money, getting it out, and we've seen some of the deals. You know, we're, we're not only competing on price, but a long time we're competing other people's LBRs, which are breaking the the long-standing rules. Of, yeah. And in, in residential private lending, it's generally two-thirds, um, yeah. and guys breaking those rules hand hand over fist at super low rates, low fees. Um, yeah. and, you know, a strong believer is going to come back and bite you at some point when the market has to react to this event. It hasn't had a reaction yet. Um, well, so yeah. yeah. Lend, like we are, but you've yeah. got to have a cautious view and there still needs to be some margin and pricing in case the rainy day comes and hits your heart. Well, as you and I both know, I mean, if something does turn sour with the loan, it's not like the, you know, let's say it's a, you know, if it's that, if it's that uh, factory unit across the road and, and all of a sudden they can't pay anymore, they don't go, you know what, fair enough, here are the keys, uh, good luck with the marketing. I mean, it, it might it might take you some time to actually get possession of that property. I wonder, I wonder Lena, in your space as well, I mean, literally, you know, there are, you know, there are more litigation funders, uh, you know, I suppose uh, you need to differentiate more, but are you finding, you know, are you coming across some matters and just someone's prepared to take stupid risk or misprice it and you, you find yourself walking away or has that not hit your market yet? Um, well, we are, I mean, we very carefully assess all of the applications that are made to us. Our, our um, percentage of um, applications accepted sort of ranges between about three and I think 7%. So right. we really um, have a very strict process for the claims that we do fund. Um, and in that sense, it's sort of something that we don't stray from. So we make our own assessment of, of the quality of the case without looking at, you know, whether another funder might be interested in it. We don't sort of um, price things in a jealous fashion. Um, right. But what jealous we do, pricing. Okay. jealous pricing. Um, but and what we do do is um, we once we've made the assessment of the risk and what the likely value of the claim is, that's really what we look at when we when we offer our pricing. We've been in the industry for a very long time. We're used to competing. There is more competition. Um, but I think what, what we find and what we consider is important is that pricing is one thing, but there are many other factors that a funder. Um, brings to a claim that are not necessarily just pricing focused. So, mm. um, first of all, we're comfortable with competing on pricing, and, and we're aware of what the market um, what the market is doing. And like I said, we we evaluate each case carefully. Um, but also, I mean, we are one of the longest standing funders globally. Um, we're publicly listed. We've got excellent access to capital. All of our um, financials are transparent. Um, and really, that's those sorts of characteristics are not commonly found found in the market. And the other thing that I think, um, you know, is, is sort of a, um, a vote of confidence is the amount of repeat business that we have, particularly in um, uh, you know, the corporate and the insolvency space. And I think the fact that we've had people that have worked with us, um, enjoyed working with us and, and achieved a successful outcome um, uh, will sort of likely bring them bring them back. I think it's interesting. I mean, yeah, evaluating assets in your business uh, would, would be quite a challenge. Stephen, um, I don't know, we've got a, um, we've got a graph of, uh, Westpac the other day, just on the subject of valuing assets, uh, came out and made some predictions on uh, on Sydney home prices to jump by fourteen percent. I think uh, what else have we got there? Uh, all the markets are, are going up. I mean, that strikes me as being a little bit premature. What, what 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 do you think? I mean, I mean, far be it from me to second guess what some economist thinks at Westpac uh, says. But what what do you think? Just you know, you've been around. 
I, I think uh, sometimes the problem is if you ask another economist, you're going to get the opposite graph. It'll yeah. go the totally opposite way. So, um, you know, it, it works a bit more for uh, Westpac shareholders to make sure things are going to look positive moving forward, not that they're going to have massive write-offs. Um, yeah. Look, I, we, we don't really foresee, well, we don't know what to foresee, to be honest, but we don't really see that there's going to be a massive correction. Um, right. But there's going to be a cooling, and mm. we haven't seen it yet. Um, you know, we get statistics on TV that say, you know, Melbourne's up 1% or it's off. But, but then if you actually look at the fundamentals, walk through the city, um, which you can't do because you're not allowed out of your house, but you'll notice how many cafes and restaurants have actually cleared out already. Mm -hmm. Like 46 shops on Chapel Street between Turak Road and Commercial Road that are already empty. Now, yeah. these things have to have an effect. So, look, resi houses in the burbs, um, I think, has a much stronger chance of, of not having such a cooling. Um, mm -hmm. The growth, I think, is a bit excited, to be honest. I can't see our economy bouncing back from something as large as this that quickly. Um, I would hope a great outcome would just be to not drop too much um, yeah. over the coming years. Um, apartments are going to be hammered uh, across the CBD areas. Um, people are going to take a long time to return to the cities. Um, that's already been proven you know, from what I hear in Sydney is the foot traffic is still way down. And it's going to take years. Um, from working from home is going to become a, a thing that I, I think it'll wear out over time on the vast majority of people. I don't actually know many people that enjoy it. Um, yeah. There will be an element of it that'll be around. Um, and commercial assets are going to get a, a fair old haircut. Um, yeah, but it, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I think that's a bit optimistic. I hope it's true. Um, helping everyone and property houses are going up, but yeah. we're already at the top of a market, we've all thought, um, and we haven't really seen it come off. Yeah, I saw an article, uh, I think it was yesterday, uh, we've got it here, I won't flash it up, but where the New Zealand Central Bank apparently is warning the, the major Australian trading banks, I mean, they're all in New Zealand, um, that they've got, to, they've got to get their systems ready for negative official interest rates. Well, God help us when that happens. Lena, let, let's say there is, um, you know, let's say that there is uh, economic turmoil next year um, and, and there, you know, asset prices are affected. Does that affect your market? Um, well, I think um, in terms of litigation finance, I think um, what we would ultimately expect to see is, I mean, I think um, an any turmoil results in an increase in disputes, which will ultimately result in um, sort of increased, um, an increased number of matters that could benefit from dispute finance, which will then yeah. obviously lead to an uptick for us. I mean, I think there will be um, some increase in um, uh, companies being wound up, so that will obviously um, uh also lead to an increase in, in some of our um, in our insolvency space and, and the claims that we fund in insolvency still being a core of, um, of what we do at LCM. Um, and I think um, this uncertainty, like we were saying, with uh, will continue to um, accelerate the uptake from, from corporate clients of our products. So I think um, in, in some ways we expect a fairly busy year ahead. And what about you? Now, your referrers are mainly, you're, you're mainly working with, with, with law firms? Um, I mean, law firms are a really healthy um, source of referrals for us um, uh, and that's sort of um, a consistent source of referrals for us. Um, and we've got some strategic alliances um, globally with some key law firms as well. Um, and just by way of example, we've recently announced um, a, um, a deal with a corporate for a book of 20 claims um, in the construction space and that came to us through a, a strategic alliance with one of our law firm partners. Um, we also we are Sorry, fairly just talk us. I mean, just in a minute, just talk us through that the, the book of twenty. Um, sure. Um, insofar as I mean, 
it's easy for us to sort of finance a single claim and um, the risk profile of a single claim is um, it, it's binary. So you can either um, you know, win or lose. Um, and then obviously the pricing that we offer on that sort of product is reflected, reflective of that risk profile. What we can do with, um, our, particularly with our corporate clients that might have more than one claim and might have a book of claims, um, is we can structure what we call a portfolio deal. Um, and that means that all of the claims within that um, within that book are cross collateralized. So the um, investment that we make on one, um, if one of the claims loses, we may we may recover it on another. So that obviously dramatically shifts the risk profile of the entire book of claims, and that really opens up a lot of options for what we can do um, as a solution for for those actions. Um, the pricing obviously comes down before because the risk um, comes down. It also means that we can then include defence actions, we can include regulatory actions, we can include um, claims that wouldn't be um, fundable on their own. Um, and so that's really sort of what the corporate um, portfolio structure is. Um, and what we've got in this in this particular claim is it's, it's subsidiary of a global um, construction and infrastructure business. Um, and we've engaged with them to really fund this book of 20 claims in this portfolio fashion um, across various jurisdictions um, uh, and obviously for um, a budget for each of those claims to be pursued. Gee, that's uh, that's going to keep you uh, that's going to keep you very busy that's for sure. Um, and now tell me I'm interested to know uh, I mean what's what's life like for your uh, you know f- let's take for the solicitors I mean what what are you finding when you're speaking to them are they are they generally busy are they are they all working from home I know that the, the large law firms or the large firms full stop um, you know that some of them are saying they're not going to go back into the office until mid next year I mean you, what what are you finding what what what's happening in the world of your referrers. Um, it's really interesting. I mean, I think I think we're quite fortunate in Brisbane in that um, we've had restrictions eased for some time. Um, granted, in, in my building where I've got um, quite a few um, bigger firms, it's still really very quiet. Um, and when you speak to different teams, I think it varies from team to team. Um, um, I think some people, as you said, um, Stephen, some people don't enjoy working from home as much, so they sort of are keen to get back into the office, whereas others just haven't haven't come back. Yeah. Um, but I find that, I mean, there was obviously a real adjustment in uh, relationships are really key to our business and, and mm. you know, catching up with people and um, having a discussion about what's happening out there is, is really important to us. So we had to sort of adjust um, to the way that we do that and, you know, had a few um, Zoom drinks and Zoom coffees really early in the piece. Um, mm. But fortunately, sort of at least in Brisbane, um, sort of seeing a few more people face-to-face more recently, which has been um it was, really, it was quite nice the first time I got to go to a restaurant, a real restaurant for a real lunch with real people. It was great. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, uh, you know, I, I went, I have played maybe two games of golf in 10 years since since uh, starting Hermes. It's, it's interesting. Uh, Steve might have a laugh. I bet you he doesn't play a lot of golf. But, but you know, people say when, you, when you're working, you know, in a corporate environment, you go, oh, I've got to play golf. It's very important that I play golf. But when all of a sudden you're on your own dollar, it doesn't seem to be that important. But, um, you know, we played, I went to a golf day on Wednesday and I went to a lunch yesterday and I thought, you know, you you poor buggers in Melbourne, that you can't do this. I mean, how, how do you, because you're a relationship business as well, Steve. I mean, obviously, you know, your ability to execute and deliver is, is paramount, but but you still need to get in front of people. So how are you finding that in, in the environment that you're in? Yeah, look, I think you uh, adapt or die, right? And uh, unfortunately, we've had to adapt <laughs> since about March 11. Uh, we had literally a, about a month gap in the middle where some normality returned, but it got mm. taken away from us pretty quickly. And as I said uh, earlier, this is, what, week 11, I think. Um, people kind of think of lockdown stage four 
um, has been six weeks, but don't forget we were in stage three three weeks before that, and we've now been in an extended lockdown stage four for a week. Um, so you know we're ten weeks in, we've got another six easily before anything of any sort of remarkable change. Um, and even at that point in Melbourne so far, there's no internal dining at that point. And that is if you can actually hit his targets. But, hey, I'm, I'm going to get on a whole other tangent. Um, so, look, from us, we, we've just had to adapt. We um, have done one thing for me really is our staff um, has been yeah. keeping sane and healthy. Um, you know, so every Friday we do an event at 4 o'clock today. Um, we do some games. We encourage people to bring some drinks. Um, we've done cooking classes on Fridays. Um, with our staff every Monday morning, we do a hustle together um, and get the whole group together on, on Zoom. And then the teams have their, obviously, their staggered meetings throughout the days. And we always just try and FaceTime, you know, normally call a colleague, but now we FaceTime them just to break up their day. And we have a lot of single staff that live in an yeah. apartment and they're on their own, literally yeah. on their own, totally. Like as hard as it is with two little tackers running around, I do have something to break my day up um sometimes right in the middle of one of these but yeah. <laughs> at least better than nothing and with clients as of uh october we're bringing in a uh, a bdm uh virtual lunch um now right. goal they're actually going to send the, the the drinks to the the relationship that we're going to have the chat with uh the day before so they'll have it there and then we just all get together um we do state nights with different important clients uh everyone has to have their steak and their wine ready by seven o'clock and Fantastic. then we just chat you just got to just try it. But yeah. existing relationships are easier because you know yeah. each other. Trying yeah. to get new ones is very difficult. And I guess, Lena, where, where you are, it's a little bit, uh, you know, you guys are allowed to walk around and, and all the rest of it. I reckon that, that all of this stuff's going to end a lot sooner than you think because I think that, you know, you are getting good numbers in Melbourne. Uh, you know, the things, it's all coming down. And I think that there's going to be a lot of pressure. I'm, I'm, I'm on the optimistic side of, um, of all of that ending sooner. Listen, we're up against the clock. So I'll just ask um, if you've sort of got any, any final thoughts or comments before we wrap up. I'll start with you, Lena. Um, I mean, I guess, yeah, um, I think you mentioned that there might be um, some of your viewers and listeners that um, haven't um, sort of considered disputes finance as one of the ways that they can um, ease some of that um, sort of cash flow concern that they might have. So um, I guess in that context, just sort of, um, yeah, encouraging people to, uh, to reach out and have a chat. Well, I'd say to anyone, uh, um, any, all, all of the promotional material on LinkedIn has, uh, has Lena's profile. So uh, click away and get, get in touch. Stephen? Oh, from a similar point of view, Nick, um, thanks very much for having us on. Um, if there's any accountants uh, or any uh, direct investors listening and they want to look at uh, an option for investing, then reach out. Um, we'll go to ocapital.com.au and any any brokers and clients that need money, um, please reach out and we can have a chat and we'll always give you an honest upfront answer very quickly. That's always the goal. Fantastic. All right. Well, thank you uh, very much to both of you for joining us today. Thank you very much to uh, those that have uh, watched us live. And um, thank you to all everyone who's watched us on Catch Up over uh, over the weekend. So thank you, thank you, uh, Stephen, and thank you, Lena. Thanks, Thanks very much. much.